Hello and welcome to the Mythical Storytelling Podcast. I'm your host and storyteller, Shinjan. I've always been fascinated by the myths and the stories behind those myths in cultures throughout the world. So if you, like me, are interested in exploring these stories behind the myths, then this is the right podcast for you. So without further ado, let's start with today's story. Today's story is called The King and the Oak, as retold by Lillian S. Hyde. Brought to you by Holiday Whisperers, your bespoke and personal holiday planner. Visit holidaywhisperers.co.uk today for all the help you need and want to plan your next holiday. And the best part is that it's completely free, so get onto that website now. Also, if you're an aspiring podcaster like me and don't know where to start, check out burstproud.com. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and the best way to launch, promote and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and more within minutes of finishing your recording. And if you sign up for a paid plan through the link in the description, you will receive a $20 Amazon gift voucher. How cool is that? Right, let's get on with the story now. There was once a beautiful grove in Thessaly, which was sacred to Cirrus. The trees in it had been growing there for nobody knows how many hundreds of years. They were very, very large, and their great branches grew so close together that scarcely a ray of sunshine could penetrate to the ground underneath. It was cool in this grove, even on the hottest summer day. Little fawns and their mothers lay on the pine needles in the shade, feeling safer there than anywhere else. Birds sang from the tops of the tallest trees, and many a nest was hidden under their leaves. The temple of the goddess stood in an open glade, in which were sparkling fountains, whose waters kept everything fresh and green. Here grew the grandest tree of all, a gigantic oak, so tall that its top seemed to reach almost to heaven. Its lower branches were thickly hung with reeds and vorivive tablets on which were written the thanks of people who had received the help of Cirrus. Every tree in this grove was inhabited by a hamadryad or wood nymph whose life was bound up in that of the tree in which she lived. If the trees died, the Hamadryads would die too. Such groves were never cut. At noon, all these nymphs used to dance around the great oak and sometimes Pan, with his little horns and the goat's feet, came and danced with them. Now we know from the story of why King Midas had ass's ears that Pan was the god of the flocks and the friends of shepherds and country folk. Close by to this grove, a king of that country was building a new palace. When the walls were finished, he wanted timbers for the roof. One day, he came into the grove of Cirrus, bringing with him twenty woodmen, each of whom carried an axe or a saw. The king told the woodmen to begin at once and cut down every tree in the grove. But the men, knowing that the grove was sacred to Cirrus, and that the trees in it had been allowed to grow undisturbed for more than a thousand years, 
hesitated about carrying out such an order. Then the king, in a fine temper, caught up an axe and with a ringing stroke sent its blade into the trunk of the beautiful oak. A shriek followed the stroke of the axe. It was the voice of a hammerdryad, but the king said it was only the singing of the axe and he would not stop. Just then, the old priestess came out of the temple and told the king very gently that it would not be wise to anger Cyrus, and she reminded him that the goddess had power over everything that grows out of the earth. At this, the king's strokes only flew the faster, and he spoke in a very insolent manner to the kind old priestess. Stand off, he said. The axe may hit you. The next time you see your trees, they will be in my palace roof. Without another word, the priestess walked away quietly. But a strange expression came into her face, which suddenly bore a close resemblance to that of Cyrus herself. Soon, the great oak fell with a crash. There was a moan from the dying hammerdryad and an answering wail from the other nymphs of the grove. The woodmen were frightened and would gladly have spared the other trees, but the king insisted that everyone should be cut. The king's palace was soon completed and it was a most magnificent structure. All went so well that the king began to think Ceres had forgotten his destruction of her sacred grove or had not the power to punish him for it. But the punishment came soon enough. At the command of Ceres, famine now came to Thessaly. Famine, a servant of Ceres, was a frightful old creature who, wherever she went, pulled up every green and growing thing, and then sowed hunger broadcast. On the approach of famine, the beautiful fountains in the grove of Ceres, which had fed nearly all the rivers in the kingdom, began to dry up, and the rivers they had fed became nothing more than little brooks. The rain ceased to fall, and all crops failed. The peasants became discouraged, and one by one, they took their goods and their flocks and herds and went away to other lands. One night, in spite of guarded gates and bolted doors, famine walked into the king's own palace, and then the king himself learned what it was to be hungry. He laid the blame on his servants and treated them so badly that they all left one after another. At last, there was left in the whole kingdom only the king and his one daughter, Metra, who was faithful to her father through all his troubles. Ceres still withheld the rain, and scarcely any living thing could grow. Where the fields had been green, and where flocks of sheep and great herds of cattle had once fed, there was now only bare sand. Travelers still passed along the highway in front of the king's palace, on their way to and from a rich city on the coast. The only way that the king and Metra could obtain food now was to sit by the highway and beg of these strangers. Finally, tortured by hunger, 
the king one day sold his daughter as a slave to a passing merchant by this means he obtained sufficient food to supply his wants for some time but even this store of food so dearly bought could not last and there came a time when the poor king was worse off than ever his kingdom had become a desert his last friend was gone how gladly he would have given his magnificent palace and the empty honor of being king of a forsaken country if he could have seen the great oak growing again and his kingdom fertile and flourishing as it had once been but it was now too late even ceres could not make the trees of her sacred grove grow again nor bring back the wood nymphs who had inhabited them Thank you for listening to today's story. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you have any thoughts or comments, you can reach out to me on my Twitter. My handle is blabberingshin or you can email me at iamshinjan@gmail.com. So that is i a m s h i n j a n@gmail.com. Please subscribe to my podcast if you've liked my work and don't forget to share it with your friends and family. I look forward to entertaining you with more mythical stories like this going forward. Adios.